It was my great pleasure today to speak to Scott McLuhan, former general manager in San Francisco and Washington, and one of the greatest talent evaluators in football. Sit back and enjoy nearly an hour of quarterback conversation. This was one of the most enjoyable interviews I've ever done. Well, I think with, with, with these young coordinators coming in and, and, and what's happening, not just on the NFL level, but of course, college and even high school nowadays, um, you know, a lot of it is, is the spread system, which, which is working because, you know, you're, you're getting more athletes on the field considered, you know, positional players, not just, you know, O-linemen, big tight ends, you know, run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down, throw the ball on third down. Now it's completely changed where, you know, you used to run the ball to set up the pass. Now, now you pass the ball to set up the run, which is which for me being in the league for so long is such a different dynamic. So I'm always looking for the big, tough, strong guys up front, and that's where you start when you're doing a rebuilding process, and just be able to control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Nowadays, it's like let's go to the perimeter. You know, let's get the you know the Kyle Pitts type guy where he's he, what he really is is a big you know receiver that's considered a tight end, but a lot of times you're flexed them out because you're going three and four receiver sets and you're going with, with, with the one back, you know, one running back. Um, you know, back in the day, you had the fullback, you know, first down, you're pounding the ball between the tackles, you know, you're going on dive plays, you're going on power plays. Now it's, now it's these, you know, they're rolling out on first down and they're throwing the ball and, and it, it puts a lot more pressure on the quarterback and it puts a lot more pressure on the offensive line and it puts more pressure on the defense. And that's why they're having success with it. You know, but the league is very trendy. I don't know if you remember back in the day, they had the run and shoot, you know, and all of a sudden three or four teams went to the run and shoot and realized in three or four years, we can't keep our quarterback healthy. You know, where he's, he's moving around too much. We're throwing the ball too much, you know, and all of a sudden it went back to the power game. And all of a sudden now, you know, with his RPOs and with, with, uh, and with the, uh, with the spread system, they're throwing the ball to score points. Everybody's like, we've got, we got to score 35 to 40, which back in the day you scored 24, you usually won the game you know, because you're controlling the clock by running the ball and you're, and you're trying to play good defense. And, and now the, the ball's out so quick or it's all so much, so deception from the offense where the defense is thinking more than reacting. And that's why these young coordinators are ahead of the curve because they they grew up in that, you know, whereas these old school guys were grew up in a totally different generation. And I think that's why these owners are liking these younger coordinators because the fans love it. The points are being put on the board. Um, you know, they're making ESPN, you know, fans want to go to see the game. It's like in baseball. They want to see the home run. They don't want to see the no hitter, you know, cause they want to see flash. They want to see pizzazz. And, you know, with a quarterback, it puts a lot of pressure on them because, you know, if, if all of a sudden, you know, you're down two scores, you know, then you have to be able to throw the ball from the pocket because, you know, the defense can adjust now knowing that, you know, that they're up two scores and knowing you're not going to run the ball. You know, so now they can send pressure, blitzes, whatever, deceptions to the offense where if you don't have a quarterback that can sit in the pocket and throw the ball, you're going to you're going to end up struggling. That's what happens. And I think when you get to the playoffs now is that both offensive defenses are really good. But if all of a sudden, you know, I, I remember we used to play San Fran with Colin Kaepernick when I was in Seattle. We knew if we got up two scores, we got them because you, you made Colin have to throw the ball from the pocket. You know, he, he made sure he kept him in the pocket with the end, staying home and setting the edge and coming up field and not rushing him really, but making him stay in the pocket and make him read the defense and make him complete the ball you know, on good coverages and, and not knock him because he was a dang good player when he, when the score was closer, they were ahead. But we knew if we get a two-score lead, and it proved out that we, we definitely had a chance to win the game. Does this mean that teams generally will have to look for a different skill set then? Is, is mobility the ability to improvise, to throw off platform. You know, are these the kind of things that teams are looking for now? And I suppose the second question to that, Scott, is what is the chances that it will change again, that the league will adapt within maybe the next five years and all of a sudden you have to look for an even newer skill set or somebody who is different? Yeah, I, I think definitely right now the, the status quo is, you know, in, in, in looking at the past couple of drafts, you need a quarterback that's mobile because, like I said, you're not going max protections. You're not, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you, if you need to, if it's third and long, you're keeping the back end to help you out or bring the tight end down to chip. But you're going with the three or four receiver sets now. You're taking pass blockers off the field to have receivers who are more, you know, perimeter guys on the field who are not blocking, you know, who are not getting paid to block. And so the quarterback is getting more pressure, especially on second and third and long, 
because defenses are blitzing. They're, they're stunting. They're doing, you know, games up front to, to get pressure on the quarterback. And a lot of that comes from – with the stunts comes from the middle, which, which you want to do. You want to push the pocket from the middle to get the quarterback outside on the perimeter. Um, so a lot comes into mobility, ability to, to uh, adjust – to, to the pass rush, which is, I think, some of that's natural instinct, just feeling guys. That's why, like, a Ben Roethlisberger could have success. You know, Tom Brady has success. They're not the best foot athletes. They're not the quickest. They're not the fastest, of course. But they have that instinct, know when to slide left, step up, slide right, or they can feel it come from the backside. Um, and a lot of these guys can't do it, but they, they adjust from that because of the foot quickness, because of the early speed. They can get outside the pocket and give themselves another two or three seconds to make a play down the field or run for the first down or run for five to eight yards or whatever. Um, I personally think it's going to change, and it's going to change sooner than later because right now, you know, it's all said and done. You have a great GM. You have a great head coach. You have a great college staff, pro staff, you know, scouting-wise and doing all the right things. But – when you start going three or four receiver sets and one back running back set that these quarterbacks are going to start getting hurt. And, and the owners want the flash because that's what sells tickets. And I get it, totally get it. But also you need the quarterback on the field to show the flash and the more hits they take, which they are. If you look at the numbers over the last, you know, five, to seven years, quarterbacks, not so much sacks that, 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 that you see all the time. Well, he, 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 you know, Aaron or, Russell Wilson, he's been sacked this many times, you know, the last eight years. You're like, wow. But I mean, and, and that's, and that's good to know because it's, it's put, it's, it's putting, you know, more hits on the quarterback, but what they don't keep track of is knockdowns, you know, and that's, there might be only four sacks in the game, five sacks in the game, but there might be 12 to 13 knockdowns. And those are the same thing as sacks. I mean, that, that's still contact being made to your body physically. And that's changed since the spread, so-called spread systems came in the NFL. And I think you're going to find out these superstars that, you know, these young guys, you know, as you, as you look at, you know, Burrow, how many times he's been sacked is incredible, but how many hits he's taken has been incredible. And he has had an ACL because of it. How long is that going to last physically? Because, you know, as you get older, you know, there's not these Tom Brady's. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a unicorn meaning that he, you know, he just plays, you know, and I, I finds a way to stay healthy. Um, but I think these young quarterbacks are going to start realizing son of a gun. He is our franchise guy. We win and lose because of him. Majority of the games, we can't let him keep getting hit. We need to max protect because, you know, he's, he's been in the league now five to eight years. And if this keeps going on with his hits, he's not going to last but two or three more years, you know, on the average because of the hits to the body. So I think teams will come back and realize that, you know, we know, you know, Herbert, we know Burrow, you know, we know guys like that. There are, you know, hopefully second, third, maybe fourth contract guys are going to be with us for 10, 12, hopefully 15 years and give you a chance to win. But he's got to be on the field to do that. He's got to be upright to do that. So I think teams will still keep some of the spread in there, but they're going to find ways to have more protection for a quarterback so they do not take as many hits. You know, because these guys on defense are getting bigger, stronger, and faster, and they get paid, too, to make plays. And they're told before the games, hit him and hit him hard as much as you can. I don't, not a cheap shot and don't go low and all that stuff, but knock him around. Make him think about it, you know, and they do. And that's what they get paid to do. And they're, they're unique athletes just as well as the offense and the quarterback. They're, they're all phenomenal athletes, and they all get paid to do a job, and they do it to the highest of the ability. That's why they're in the NFL. And, you know, you get the quarterback out of the game in, in, in a legal manner. That's huge. I mean, you, you, you might have a 25% chance of winning. It goes up to 50% chance of winning because number two's back in the game. You know, number twos seldom are like number ones, you know. So I think it'll go back. I think I think it will. I think the spread will stay somewhat because it's it does score points and it does the college system and the high school system to the college and the college to the NFL is developing more of those guys to be perimeter guys, you know, the, the Kyle Pitts, guys like that. Now, he's unique because he's so big and fast and, and, and talented athletically and with ball skills. But guys like that are out there, you know, the Wallers, you know, with, 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 with the Vegas team. You know, those guys are mismatches because they're so tall and athletic and you got a safety or a linebacker on them. It's usually a mismatch. But again, your quarterback's taking twice as many shots as he should. How would you define its factor within a quarterback? And I've also heard the phrase tilt the field. What, in your view, does a, a quarterback tilting the field mean? And does that phrase also include how a player leads the team off the field too? you know, their personalities and how they just approach every day? 
you know, I, it, it's a very unique position. Now, all of them are hard to really figure out, but the quarterback is very unique because I personally believe 50% of it's physical skills, you know, and that's God-given skills. That's from, you know, athleticism. That's from, you know, just natural instincts for the position, being able to make plays on the fly. So I think 50% of it is, is, is physical skills. I think the other 50% is mental skills. And, and that's meaning not just toughness and internal fortitude and, 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 you know, been in big games and won big games. It's just the fact of you're a consistent guy day in and day out where you go into the huddle. It's say, say it's the fourth quarter, say you're down, you know, six, say you're down nine or whatever. You, you one score, two scores. And I've been around the quarterbacks to walk in the huddle and the 10 guys in the huddle with them totally believe that they're going to win the game because they have confidence in this guy because they can see it in him, in his eyes and the way he calls the play and been around him enough in practice in the off season where they're, it's just, it's, it's not a, like so much a toughness issue. It's just the fact that they've been there and done it. And, you know, I've been lucky to be around like a Brett Favre, you know, a Russell Wilson and, and see it. And it's just like, wow, even as, a, as an outsider, really, but inside, but just watching it, you, you feel like, you know what, we're going to win this game because we got this guy calling the plays. We got this guy, you know, running the play and he's going to find a way to make the right play. Um, there's been many, many really good quarterbacks that have success in college and, and match the physical skills you're all looking for. 6'2", 6'4", you know, big hand guy, big arm, strong arm, powerful arm. Get to the NFL and don't pan out because it's such a different animal when you get to the league. And like I said, there's these other guys that are getting getting paid to do to make the plays on defense. And, and it's the guys that just, they don't panic. There's patience in the pocket and they've been there and done it. And I, a lot of that is experience, but a lot of it too is just their, their, their mental makeup, how they were you know, developed as a younger person, a younger player, where nothing's too big for them. And once you get that confidence in the offense, in the quarterback, then these guys want to make a play and, and know they're going to make a play because the quarterback's going to put them in a situation to make the play. And, and I think it's just, it's, it's very, very, very hard to identify. I mean, you can interview the kid, you know, three, four times, have dinner with them, meet with the family, meet with coaches, meet with teammates that he's played with in college and all that. And you think you know him, but do you really know him from the, you know, you can see the tape on college and be like, dang, he's a good player. Okay. I understand why he's going in the first round because he put up these numbers, he matches the measurables you look for. He's had, he's had tons of wins over losses. He gets, he gets nothing but an A report card from the coaches, from the teammates. And they get to the league and all of a sudden they get put in a pressure situation. And now the media is after him. Why is he, you know, Ryan Leafs, a perfect example, came out of Washington State. You know, was he either going to be the first pick or the second pick? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, Peyton went one and Leaf won two. And, and the thing about Leaf that people realized when that happened was he grew up in a small town. He went to a small town for college, you know, in Pullman. And all of a sudden got to the league as a number two pick, which is a lot of pressure put on a guy. He couldn't handle it. He never had anybody challenge him from the standpoint of not being the best player on the field. And all of a sudden gets to San Diego and he's struggling, which a lot of quarterbacks do early. And he couldn't handle it. And he just mentally just imploded and was never the same guy again. Where Peyton, you know, grew up in the family, had the bloodlines, you know, went to Knoxville and the SEC, big time games, week in and week out best competition, you know, conference-wise in college football and had adversity, you know, was beat up, understood mentally and physically that he needs to do everything right to get it where Leaf went to Washington State and he could be 50% of what he really was and still have success because, of the, you know, not knocking at the time the Pac-10, but it's different, different players he's going against week in and week out. And little things like that play into the portfolio. Um, and, and you have to look at that stuff because – a lot of people just want to see the numbers, you know, and all of a sudden say goes to the combine and he does everything perfect and the interviews are great and he's smart and he on the board he can X and O, understand defenses, cover one, cover three, cover five, whatever. But they get put in that situation where they have adversity and it's not just for one week. It might be three weeks in a row. The good ones can handle it. You know, I, I'm, I'm worried about Baker right now, Mayfield, what he's going through. Does he come out on the good side? Was he adversity? Or does he go to be like a Ryan Leaf where all of a sudden he's just talking through the media, trying to protect himself by trying to verbally prove who, what he is, where the good ones don't verbally have to do that. They just step up and say, okay, if I'm, if I'm a Cleveland or they trade me or whatever, wherever I go, it's on me. You know, I don't need to talk it. I need to show it. And that's what the good quarterbacks will do. You know, over, you know, when they're young, like I said, they haven't been through this process. They haven't 
been, you know, they had three or four reporters follow them during the college season and whatever. Might say some bad things about them here and there or whatever, but not much. You get to the NFL, I mean, it's hundreds of reporters after you. And they live off negativity. If they can find a little, a little, little hole to get into you and affect you mentally, they're going to try it because that's what they get paid to do. And these, the good quarterbacks, they screw you. You know, that's fine. You can match me all you want. I know my ability and I know I'm a damn good player. And I'm going to be a damn good player. I don't care where I go. If I'm here, if I'm there, it doesn't matter. Good team, bad team. I'm going to prove that I'm, I'm, I'm a success. And again, that's so hard to find because you think you can, you know, and I always said this, you know, the league, if, if, if you know 75% of the player you think before you draft them, bring them in your building and, and you hit on that, then you're, you're 50% ahead of half the teams in the NFL. Because a lot of them just go off of the combine numbers, you know, measurables, 40s, vertical. Look at look at the kind of athlete he is. The interviews were great, you know. But when you dig in and really challenge a guy, how does he respond? And that's so hard to do. And that's why that, that, that's why there's so many mistakes made on quarterbacks because you push them up the board because of the importance of the position. But all of a sudden, you're forcing them in a situation where they can't be successful because all of a sudden they can't handle it mentally. So the physical skills go out the door. If you can't go on the field and get the play call, get the line of scrimmage before the clock runs down, read a defense, adjust to a, a, an audible on the defensive side. So many things happen in those, those 15 to 20 seconds where if a guy's thinking instead of reacting, then all of a sudden you, you're losing at any position, especially quarterback, you're losing what, his most ability to be successful because now he's, he's like, oh, shoot, they're in cover two. I haven't seen this on tape yet. And these defensive coordinators nowadays are adjusting to these offenses. They're geniuses too. They're, they live, you know, half of it against personnel and talent on the field. The other half is deception, you know, going from cover two to cover four or, or, or going from man off to man press. The quarterback's got to adjust like that. And a lot of times the players won't adjust because they're not, they're not as, as skilled mentally as a quarterback is, but the quarterback can still make the play because he knows he's seen this on tape, this cover one, this guy's going to press. He's going to bail right away where the receiver should know, but might not know, but the quarterback can adjust on the fly and be able to do it. And the guys that can't mentally handle as they as all of a sudden the game's not going right or in the third quarter and they're down 14 points, you kind of see them fade away. But the good ones adjust during the game. And, and coaching is huge too. Don't get me wrong. Putting the quarterback in a situation to be successful, but they don't make the calls at the line of scrimmage. They don't make the throw. You know, they don't they don't they don't adjust to run from a pass or whatever what they're reading on defense. So there's so much that goes on, and that's why there's so many mistakes made. And Guys like this year in the draft are going to go, and three guys probably go in the first round. All three should honestly be third-round picks. You know, if it's a regular position, they would be third-round picks, saying that they'll come in and be a backup early, have the chance to be a starter, hopefully year one, but not year two and on. Um, but with these quarterbacks, especially, you know, when they get drafted, not this year, but like last year, they go earlier than they should. But these teams that are picking them early are teams that aren't good overall because that's why they're picking so early in the draft. You know, and the run game is huge for, for a quarterback. The receiving core is huge for a quarterback. But the old line's huge. And, and, and if you have the first pick, the third pick, the fifth pick in the draft, and that's it's because of your record, not because of a trade, it means you're not a very good team. So you're bringing in a young guy and hoping he can turn it around. Well, he can't turn around by himself. He can start, you know, kind of going that way like Justin Herbert did and show success, but he's had two great years and hasn't been in the playoffs two years. You know, and if he's on a on, on a really polished team, which the Chargers are getting there now, he's in the playoffs hands down both years, you know, from the quarterback position. He just didn't have the personnel around him. Um, but that's that, that that's what happens. And that's why people talk about rebuilding or just reloading. I don't get it because you're always trying to get good football players and win games, you know, but the quarterback, you feel bad for him because you, they, they, they call him a bust. You know, he's taken in the first round. He's a bust because he's not going to the Pro Bowl. He's not going to playoffs every year. Well, you know, if he was taken where he really should have gone, third round, it's a hell of a pick because he came in as a number two, became a starter the next year, and is playing solid football, you know, and getting better and better. And there's not a lot of pressure on him because he's not the fifth pick in the draft where everybody's like, he's got tickets to the promised land. The fans get, you know, they want everything right now. And that doesn't happen, you know. And once the quarterbacks start pressing instead of just playing their game, that's when mistakes happen. That's what happened with, with Baker last year. I know he was nicked, you know, had the injuries and all that but he's trying to make plays that aren't there just because he wants to prove that he's the guy because he's the first pick overall. And that's when things go south. That's when you really start worrying about it. And that's when you try to reel him in and say, 
just do what you can do. Let the 10 guys around you help you. Let the defense get turnovers. Let the special teams block a punt or score on a punt return to make it better for us. Don't try to make every play a hero play. And, and a lot of these kids mentally, they're, they're just trying to be who they're not and try to make the play that's not there because they want to prove that they're that pick. And that, 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 that's dangerous. Very, and it shows out many times over, over, you know, over each season where guys are just, dang, he, he looked like he was on the rise. Now he's on the fall and well, he's hurt. Okay. I get it. And then that plays into it, but still they're just there. You just got the, the good players will just keep even kill and say, this is who I am and what I am. And I know I can't make all the plays and I know I need people around me to have success to be, to make sure this team wins. And it's not all on my shoulders. And, and that's what the good ones do now. They make the, ph the phenomenal play, but they all can at certain points, but you, you just need help around you. And that's, that's why the draft's so important. That's why free agency is so important, you know, but you got to understand, you know, the quarterback's the quarterback. And I understand people think it's the most important position on the field. I personally look at it as one of, one of 11, you know, and everybody says, well, you take a tackle early. It didn't matter to me. I'll take a center early. I'll take a guard early. If that's making your team better, and you're getting your best, you're getting your best 11 on the field because that's going to help the quarterback have success. And is that a fair description then of, of the, the upcoming draft class? Because it certainly looks like it's incredibly deep in a number of positions. Would, would you say that it's a better draft to sort of try and build up your team rather than drafting that quarterback early specifically for this year because of the strength at other positions? I totally agree. And, and, and the thing that's unique about this year, and I think you're starting to see teams trying to get in line to do it before the draft this year, is it's loaded in the second, third, and fourth rounds. Meaning there's not the superstar player. Now, there, there's a couple, don't get me wrong. And, and there's a quarterback out of this bunch that's going to end up being a good NFL quarterback when his career is said. There'll be a good one out of this. There always is. Which one that is, no one knows right now. And they're trying to figure it out. But the depth is not the superstar, but the good players that are in the second, third, and fourth round that I feel could come in year one, and if not start, can, can, can get, definitely get on the field at some point in certain schemes and certain down and distance or whatever, but have a chance to be second-year starters from the get-go. I mean, you feel really good about it, and guys that get second contracts, meaning after the fourth year, you're going to extend them after the third year, hopefully. But there's a lot of not great players, but a lot of good football players in this draft, and that's why if you could stock up on second, third, and fourth, which I think you'll see on draft day, Teams are trying to trade out of their spot and move back so they can pick up third, fourth, fifth round picks because that's where the, the, the strength of the draft this year is. Just to go back to the quarterbacks quickly, I mean, how do you balance out upside versus a need for development with quarterbacks? Because I was writing about this recently, Scott. You know, Patrick Mahomes had 25 interceptions in his final two years at Texas Tech, yet when he gets to Kansas City, you know, he only has 37 interceptions in five years. And Many of them came in a, a very challenging period in the last season. And then you look sure. at Josh Allen, who had a, an incredible physical profile, practically every tool that you could want, but only had 1,800 yards, passing yards in his final year at Wyoming. It's taken him some time to reach this level at Buffalo, but we're talking about two elite players now. Um, what is the decision-making process like to balance out potential for brilliance and maybe considering issues that could prevent a player from reaching great heights? Well, a lot of it from my personal standpoint is I, I feel comfortable with me identifying good football players in any position, even quarterback, and identifying the certain traits I look for. Of course, physically, that's easy. To, that's easy to figure out. You and I can sit and watch a game and not talk about it at all until the game's over. And you could tell me who you thought the best receiver was, who was a better quarterback, who was a better running back, because that's physical skills you can see on one game. When you start doing multiple games and, and really multiple, multiple games, even going back to their junior, sophomore years or whatever, that's when it's very, very important to, you know, especially if you have an offensive-minded head coach, which I was lucky when I first started. I had Mike Holmgren, who was excellent with quarterbacks. Excellent. Because if you had a, a pushover, a not real aggressive head coach when Brett Favre was young in his career, he could have gone south quick. Because, I mean, I, I remember my first year with Green Bay, Holmgren set him down the second half of the last game of the season so he wouldn't set the interception record for the NFL. He didn't want him to have that on his plate. So he, he just set him down so you're not playing the second half. You know, when, we, when, we, when we were a pretty good team, we were already in the playoffs. But he didn't want him to put that on his shoulders because he knew Brett mentally would, that would bother him because he's such a, a competitive, 
but such an aggressive guy and he's going to make the throws he thinks he has to make. And they're sometimes they're ugly. And he'll come back, and make the next, the same throw the next series. And it's a touchdown, you know, for, for the, for the Packers, you know? So I think that, that when that comes into play is you, you have, you have a head coach that's offensively minded. You have a coordinator and a quarterback coach who are, who you can sit with, which I had with McCarthy and Norv Turner, my first two years with the 49ers, they were excellent diagramming what that quarterback is doing, what he's looking at at the line of scrimmage, what he's reading defensively and how he's adjusting, which I can't do. I'm not an X nose guy. I'm just pure talent guy. And they'd tell me he made the wrong read there. I said, well, how, why do you say that? Well, watch this. They adjust from cover two to, to, to the man press. He didn't adjust to it. He, 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 he didn't audible the play out. So they ran the same play that the defense wanted to run once they adjusted on the defensive side. And they said, that's, that's correctable but that's not overnight correctable. That's, that's a season type work. There's going to be games where he plays really well. You know, I'll never forget. We took Alex Smith my first year, 05. And he was 20 years old. He came from urban Meyer, Utah spread system, never called a, a, a play in the huddle, got all the plays looking to the line, the sideline. They had audible to play into him. Then he the players would see the play and then he never audible, never call play. And, and, and I, I remember McCarthy telling me, he said, first of all, I'm with you with the pick. Everything matches up physically, mentally, upside. Everything matches up. But he's not going to see the field the first year. He cannot see the field the first year. When he comes in here, we draft him. If I'm going to start day one. I got to teach him how to call a play in a huddle. So I'll never forget the first day out there, he gave gave the, to Alex, and Alex walked up to the huddle and called it. And, 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 and McCarthy screamed at him, first play. He says, you got you to be loud. This is 70,000 people. You're on the road. I mean, they got to be able to hear you. And Alex is like, oh, wow, I didn't even think about that. You know, where do I stand in the huddle? You know, so, so elementary from the outside looking in, but there's so many things that go into it that, you know, upside's great. You know, the intelligence is great. Arm strength's great. Size is great. Everything's great. But can they adjust, especially if you're going to play a guy, like I said, the first year, if you're playing a guy the first year, it means you're a bad team because you don't have a starter in place that can do it. Or you got somebody that retire like a Ben that it's just, you can't just pick up where you left off. You got to go down to the bottom and the thing that really hurt Alex was, first of all, really young to the position and understanding pro style and all that is the fact that we lost McCarthy after the first year. He went to Green Bay as head coach. We lost Norb after the second year as both offense coordinators. He went to us, the Chargers as a head coach. So now, now you don't plan for that kind of stuff. So now that's more pressure on the quarterback because the young guy is getting a different voice in his ear. And it might be the same system. But it's still they're, they're calling different plays on different down and distance. It's got you got a different guy talking to you in the earpiece that you know might might be a little more aggressive or more excitable on a sideline on third down where you don't want to get the quarterback to feel that. You know, so little things like that play into it. And you know, I, there, there's always going to be good quarterbacks. Like I said, there'll be a good one comes out of this draft. You know, and they're going to start off early and say if all three guys say go in the first round, they're all bust going into year two, year three because they're not playing well or they're not playing at all. But it's not the quarterback's fault. It's the organization's fault for putting them in a situation that you force the issue where you, where you could have taken a dang good defensive lineman or a corner, you know, or a running back or a wide receiver or a safety, whatever, that you know is going to come in and help you year one. But it's not the quarterback. He's not touching the ball every snap, you know. So there's so many dynamics go into it, and that's why there's so many mistakes made. It's not from identifying the talent because it's there. It's the it factor, like you said the mental, the internal fortitude, the toughness, the, the leadership, the belief that you're going to have the confidence and the confidence of players around you to have success. And when you're not winning games, that's hard, that's hard to build, you know? And I saw it in Green Bay. It went from an average team to a good team to a great team. I saw it in Seattle, you know, an average team to a good team to a great team because of the quarterback and not just him making plays, but what he brought to the other guys on the field, the belief that they can be better than they are. You know, and all of a sudden you get that rolling. It doesn't mean you're going to win a Super Bowl every year. You're going to be in a Super Bowl every year, but you're going to be in the playoffs or have definitely have a good shot of being in the playoffs if you stay healthy across the across the board. But everybody gets the confidence that like, we're going to win this game. I don't care who it is. We're on the road. It doesn't matter. We got him, and him makes me better because I want to make a play for him because otherwise he can start going the other direction. You know, so it just it just it's like a snowball effect. It keeps getting better and better and better, going or bigger and bigger, and people want to make the play want to be third and eight, get the ball to me. I'm, I'm going to make the play for you, prove to you that I'm going to be like you. We can win this game. And it, it's, it's huge. And once you see it, it's awesome. But you also see it. I've been on the other side where you don't have that, you know, and it's like son of a gun, you know, 
it'd be really nice if, you know, he'd make a play here or there so we get some confidence going. And all of a sudden he doesn't. So everybody's kind of looking around like, is, is he really the guy that's going to get us to the promised land? Or is he, you know, is he just a guy that's just a guy that's really talented but can't come through when the clutch, you know? So it's, it's, that's why the draft's so cool. And that's why it's called an exact science because it is, especially at the quarterback position. Um, but if somebody could identify, you know, 75% of the kid coming out with his physical skills and his mental skills and his instincts and natural ability for the position, you're going to be very, very successful. And, and it doesn't happen. And we got the best of the best coaching them, best of the best scouting them. And there's still mistakes made every single year. And it's like, wow, didn't you see that from me going like, didn't you see that coming? Where the other guy's saying, well, I saw this and this and this. And I said, oh, I saw that too. But did he have this? You know, did he have that? And all of a sudden it pans out that he didn't because you thought he did, but you didn't know him well enough. And I made mistakes, not a quarterback so much, but with players in the first round because I didn't know him well enough. You know, the great pick from the standpoint, ESPN, Mel Kuyper, McShay, whatever, saying that's a great pick because he was an interior D lineman. He got size. He's got good college tape. His position hard to find. Yet I get to the guy, and I'll never forget the one guy I took. I won't say his name, but he flew in to do the press conference as we took him in the first round. And that next morning we picked him up, me and the head coach, Mike Nolan, took him to breakfast, and he was eating his breakfast, his pancakes with his fingers. He didn't know how to use silverware. You know, little things like that. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at him, and he's sweating profusely. You know, we had to give him a new shirt before the press conference because he, he, he drenched through it. And it's just like, wow, this guy is not ready for the big time at all. And I didn't know that. See, because he, he was a good player on tape. He, he played a lot of snaps. He played hard. He never took a playoff, anything like that. But all of a sudden, he got to the league and got into this pressure situation. And it was just like, he's not – it's going to take him a year just to be able to adjust, you know, with, with, his, with his mindset. Because I mean, he, you can't you can't go you know to a team meal and be eating stuff with your fingers, you know. But he didn't know any better, you know. That's how he was raised, you know. Came from nothing and all that. He didn't pan out because it was a pretty good team at the time, and we, and we had some really tough, big leaders on the defensive side of the ball, especially the D line, and they ate him up, started making fun of him, you know, and all that stuff. And he couldn't handle it, and he just he just he just went into his own little shell, and he was never the player he could have been. And at this day, Frank Gore tells me he says. If they would have handled him differently that first year and second year, he would have been a hell of a player. But they didn't. And they challenged him every day, and he couldn't respond, you know, and, it didn't, and he didn't pan out. You know, he bounced around to three or four different teams, probably in the league eight years, but was always just a guy, you know, just because he, mentally he could not adjust to the to college. You know, you're taking care of, you're on scholarship, you're patted on the butt. You know, NFL, you're yelled at and you're benched. You know, some guys just, just can't handle it. They're like, that, I, I, what am I going to do? You know, I'm embarrassing to my family. You know, I'm embarrassing to myself. And they never take the next step being good to great, great to special because they don't have it mentally. You know, and, and that's you see it every year, and that's that's the draft. And that's why you see, and all of a sudden you see a, a fifth rounder, or a seventh rounder that, you know, all of a sudden takes off. And they're like, well, what was the difference? Well, he had it in him that, first of all, he had a chip on his shoulder because he was taken later in the draft. And second of all, he had the ability to take the next step, understand the coach and understand the scheme and, and, and react instead of think. Because they're the best athletes in the world, but if you're thinking instead of reacting, you're just an average athlete on the NFL level. If you're thinking instead of reacting, I mean, if you're reacting instead of thinking, you're a step faster. You know, say you're a linebacker, you know, and you're a step closer to the, making the play, where if all of a sudden you freeze a second because you see, you know, misdirection in the backfield, then all of a sudden that, that guy's beyond you. You know, and that's, that's just some guys have it, some guys don't have it. And that's, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's so important to know the person, much more important than just knowing the physical skills because they have it. But it's just who's the guys can go from good to great, great to special. And that's the little it factor that they're, they're built up or wound so tight inside that they have to be great. And they know what they have to do in the offseason. They know how they have to sleep. They know what they have to eat. They know day in and day out someone's going to take their job. And those guys are the ones that make the next step. And it's cool to see when it happens. But you see it the other direction, like I told you with that D lineman, just it's a crying shame because he just couldn't make that next step. That, and that's any position. And that's even kickers and punters, snappers. That, that's anything. It's just, it's such a, a pressure cooker. Once you college, you're the best, or you're one of the best, and the coaches love you and they'll always say good things about you and respect your game and applaud your game. You get to the NFL, I mean, it's, it's do or die. And, and, and not just for the player, but for the coaches. You know, because as you're well aware nowadays, you know, you get three years as a head coach. That's kind of unique when you're a new coach. And it's uh, and these players have to have to produce. 
and they're putting a lot high pressure situations and some guys thrive and some guys just fade away. A final question for you, Scott, is there a pressure as a decision maker in selecting a quarterback? Because often um, decision makers, perhaps unfairly, get judged on this position more than any other. And sometimes you're judged on the player you don't take rather than the one that you do. I think once you get to the point where you're comfortable, because with me, it was always a group effort. I always gave my scouts the respect of them being on the road during the fall, which is tough. And you have good days and bad days when you're evaluating talent. You know, you might go a week without seeing a good player. Then you see a good player and you put them way too high because you're like, wow, this is finally a good football player. But once you get to the pick, you've already done all your homework that you possibly think you can do as much as you can know the guy. The owner's on board, the head coach is on board, the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, defensive staff, offense staff, whatever side of the ball it is, they're all on board. They're all excited. So everybody's taking ownership for that pick because I've had it where I've done it where it's not ownership and it's 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 uphill battle. So once you get everybody on board, once you make the pick, you feel very comfortable. You know, like Val Smith, we felt very comfortable knowing he was not going to play the first year. He's just going to learn how to play quarterback in a pro-style offense. Well, of course, he had to play because our line was so bad. We lost three quarterbacks, so he had to go on the field, and it was a disaster for him. And, and then changing coordinators, five coordinators in five years was a disaster. But once you make the pick and everybody's on board, you feel comfortable with it. And the owner understands, like, say, say this, or say you take one at 12 to 15, you know, so say it's Pickett. You feel comfortable with him playing, playing with Whipple, who was his offense coordinator at Pitt. Very, very good NFL background as a quarterback coach in pro style and teaching them pro style and teach them how to watch tape and what to look for with defenses and all that. So you feel comfortable with him coming in, being able to step on the NFL football field and function from calling a play, seeing the, seeing, seeing the game clock, seeing the defense and making an audible. You feel comfortable there. But does he have the physical skills to really be special, to be good? I think what you see now with him being older, of course, he can be 24 his rookie year and playing a lot of college football. Everybody's saying he's the, he's the game ready guy now. But say like with a Willis, he's not game ready now, but he has upside. So, you know, with him, it's going to be a process. It might be a year or two before you get to him. But as long as the owner understands that and, and the coaches understand that and the scouts understand that GM understands that, that we have, you have a schedule, especially for a quarterback, other positions, you just plug them in and say, hey, just don't care about what defense is called or whatever. You're covering this guy. Okay, wherever he goes, you follow more. You know, third downs, don't worry about technique. I want you to get to the quarterback. Whatever you have to do to get the quarterback. But a quarterback, you have to see so many things and mentally adjust to so many things that it takes guys longer because of the coming out of college and depending where they played at and the level they played at and all that and the coaching they got, it's all different. You need everybody on board. So when the pick's made, you feel comfortable with it because you have, you, have, you have a schedule in place. you got a plan in place. How are you going to use them this first year, second year, third year? And as long as, as long as everybody's on board, that's great. But then all of a sudden you lose four in a row and you have, you know, you have a little bit of nicked up veteran quarterback who's starting. You're looking around saying, well, the owner's like, well, we drafted him in the first round. Let's get him on the field, see what he has. That could be devastating, like a Ryan Leaf, just devastating because all of a sudden they can't do it and they lose confidence. And once they lose confidence, you know, I, the perfect example, I, I signed uh, David Carr late in his career when I was in San Fran. He, you know, he was the first overall pick by Houston that, that year, you know, number one franchise, number one pick, all that. He even told me, he says, after my second year, he says, I was half the quarterback I, I was in college because I was thinking and worrying more than reacting and feeling confident about the play call. He says, I was more thinking before the ball was even snapped, which, which way I was going to sprint out. Instead of dropping back three, five, seven step drop and making the throw, he says, I was worried about I, I got hit so many times and sacked so many times. I was just defending my life. So uh, before the ball was snapped, I, I'm, I'm rolling out right or left, and the play doesn't call for that. Play calls for drop back. But he says, I, I lost all my confidence because I was just getting beat up so bad. And I never got it back. Never got it back. And that's a smart guy, tough enough, all that stuff, and was a dang good college player and had a chance to be a dang good NFL quarterback like his brother is if he went in the right, to the right system with the right pick. You know, if all of a sudden he's a late one, you're going to a better team that probably has a veteran quarterback in, 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 in tow. So you, you can sit, you know, like Aaron Rodgers did behind Brett Favre. You can sit two and a half, three and a half years and just the game slows down. You know, you see it and then you, you can pick the, you know, you can pick Brett's mind, which Aaron did. What'd you see? Why'd you make that throw? Okay. What happened here, here, and here? And they're just not throwing in the cooker and saying, okay, it's on you. You're the, you're a first round pick. You have to go do it. And all of a sudden they're like, well, shit, I haven't done it yet. I did it in college, but this is totally different. 
you know, so, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's such a unique position and it's such a unique skill set. And physically, a lot of guys have it. It's just the mental aspect. It's the toughness. It's the, it's the confidence. It's the leadership that everybody's buying into. And, and these owners nowadays, and it's, it changes, you know, it's changing in this year with the Broncos, new ownership. A lot of these are, they're not real football, football people. They're kind of like fantasy football people where they love for agency signing the big name because it's going to sell tickets. It's going to sell hats. It's going to sell shirts. Whereas the coach and the GM are football guys and they understand what it takes. And sometimes you're forced to play the quarterback because the owner comes in and says, listen, we put, we took him in the first, but we had a plan in place. He said, forget the plan. I'm the owner. I want him to play, you know? So all of a sudden you have to play him, you know, unless you want to get fired, you know, and all of a sudden he's not ready. You know, you got a chance to really hurt this kid. I don't care. He's our first round pick. The fans want to see him. I want to see him, you know? It's like, okay. And all of a sudden it goes south and it's just like, wow. You know, then you're fired anyway, you know, a year or two later and still haven't solved the problem at quarterback, you know? So, I mean, they need, it takes luck too. And I mean, with any position you're taking guys, it takes luck. Cause like I said, you know, hundred percent know them. You think you know them 75%, you're, you're, you're kidding yourself, you know, and you can do all the homework you want. Until you get them in the in the fire, which is on the field in an NFL game, in a big game in a pressure situation, how do they respond? Do they fold and, and, and think of, think less of themselves, or do they make a bad play and say, you know, Brett Favre style, screw it. I know that play's there. You know, I'm going to do it again. You know, and all of a sudden the players see that and they're like, well, shit, he's got some balls, man. Let's go with this guy. I, I'm I'm following this guy because this guy is important to him. And he has a chance to make us win. The more we win, the more money we get. <laughs> Can I, can I just one final bonus question? I mean, as, 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 when I'm looking at a player with an amateur eye, so for example, the old Miss quarterback, Matt Corral, and I can see, you know, things that are positive. You know, he's got a decent arm for his size. You know, he can move around quite well. But then I'm also looking at the offense. There's pop passes. It's a lot of RPOs. He puts his yep. shoulder down and runs into defenders. And you're thinking, well, you know, please don't try that at the next level. Um, how do you sort of balance all of those, those things out? How does sort of a... Um, a pro expert decision maker balance out the toughness, the, the the physical talent, the moxie versus this is an offense that maybe doesn't entirely, you know, obviously the NFL is using some of these, these ways and means on offense now, but sure. it's not, it's not necessarily going to entirely translate straight away. Correct. hundred percent, because I respect him from the standpoint uh, first of all, Lane being his head coach, which is a pain in the ass, just so you know. I mean, he throws so much at him, it's not even funny, which, which is good and bad. Um, but I respect him for his toughness, his, his competitiveness, his athleticism, his ability to play through some injuries. I, I respect all that. But then again, he has not played even close to a pro-style system. He, he, if, if, I, if I was drafting him, I'd say, listen, we, we, we got a chance to have you know, a pit bull type quarterback that, that is highly going to be respected from competitiveness, you know, just overall toughness and the fact that he's a damn good athlete, but it's going to take him a year or two just to understand how to be in a pro style system. So if, if you're, if you're expecting the bang for the buck early, you're not going to get it. And, and you're not going to run the system that he's used to because you can't not in the NFL, he's going to get killed. But if you give him two to year, three years, you might have something, maybe not great, but good enough to chance to go to the playoffs, which is all you look for, you know, from the get go. But again, that's one of those things where I think he has kind of the it factor to a point, which is, which makes him, in my opinion, kind of unique in, in this, in this system or, or this, this year's draft. But again, he's not close to being ready to step on the field in the NFL, not even close. And again, if you're a head coach, knowing that you might be on the hot seat a little bit or not, are you going to take him? If you do, then you're going to probably have to play him early to prove that you're right to save your job where you're trying to cover your ass as a head coach instead of letting the kid develop into being the player he can be. You know, so he's forced to go faster than he should. And probably three out of four times, they're going to fail more than succeed. And can they bounce back from those failures and be better because of it? Or they can go in a shell and just maintain who they are and what they are and forget about the techniques and forget about, you know, the coaches saying do this, this, and this. Well, I'm used to just being, you know, playground football where I get the ball, I make a play. I'm, you know, like, like David Carr was trying to do. I get the ball, I'm running out, out of the pocket. That way it gives me more time to make a play. Well, say, say you're doing that and the play that's called is, is you know, is a five-step, seven-step drop. Well, the, the, the routes that are being ran, it's a timing mechanism. 
So all of a sudden, if you're not setting up in the pocket and you're running around, these routes are taking, you know, three to four seconds to set up instead of one to two, then, then you, uh, then it's just, the, the, everything's thrown off the, the timing, the, the routes and all that stuff. And now you, now you're just, you're hoping to make a play, you know, and it, it all of a sudden, well, I'll run the ball if I can't find somebody open right away. Well, you're going to take shots and you're going to get hurt and you're going to be gone. You know, you're going to hopefully not get hurt bad career ending, but you're going to be on the sideline more than on the field because, because of getting broken ribs or whatever, you know, getting a sprained MCL on the sideline when the guy hits you, you know, so, you know, I like Corral and I think he's got a chance to be, you know, a good number two early on in his career with a chance to be a one, maybe three years into it. Um, but the thing that's good about him, a guy like him is, He's not going to be taken in the top 10 where the team's just suspect. He, if he's drafted, he's probably going to be taking 20 to 32 where it's a more solidified roster and the coaches in a more secure area, the head coach and the coaches around are, are in a secure area where they're not worried about getting fired this year because they, they won some games. They had a chance to be in the playoffs or they were in the playoffs. Now you have a little, you know, leverage as a coach to say, listen, we, we, we like it. We took in the first, you know, this pick for a reason, but you're not going to play early just so you understand that. Okay. We're going to develop you into an NFL quarterback. And that's why you see a guy like, you know, like uh, Mac Jones, he had success this year because first of all, he went to a, a system in a head coach that's not going to put too much on his plate. They're going to let him do what he can do and emphasize the running game to, to, to take the pressure off the quarterback and let him make the plays when he can. And he had a, he had a definitely solid first year, you know, where also you look at a Trevor Lawrence, you know, you look at a, you know, you look at a Zach Wilson. All of a sudden, they're like, "Wow, these guys bust already." And, and of course, you can't say that, but they didn't have success or weren't on the field a lot or got hurt you know, or whatever happened. You know what went on, but you know, everybody would say, "Well, the, the best quarterback taken this year, you know, was Wilson." I mean, what was Jones? You know, because he had success, you know, in playoffs and stuff like that. Well, you look at the talent level; it's not even close. I mean, you know. I mean, Max is what he is, and he's not going to be more upside. He's going to win. He's going to beat you mentally. You know, like if we had a guy in Seattle my first time, Matt Hasselbeck. That's what he was. He wasn't physically gifted, but he was very intelligent, and he understood the game of football. He understood the home run system, and he made the right reads and put the ball in the right place. And, and, and they, we were able to run the ball with Sean Alexander. You know, he was the MVP of the league that one year. And that takes so much pressure off the quarterback. But Holmgren knew what he had talent-wise compared to have Favre didn't have a hassleback and they adjusted a system for each quarterback and a lot of coaches nowadays they don't want to adjust their system it's my system I'm going to run it my way the, the players have to adjust to me and the good quarterbacks like a Belichick he adjusts he, he he adjusts the Jones you know McDaniels adjusted the Jones and they put him in a situation to be successful and that's what good coaches do you know and, and, and that's why they have success this year with them you know with, with, with Lawrence, they're like, well, you have to make the play, Trevor. You have to make these plays because if not, we're not going to win. Well, now he's thinking, shit, I have to. I, that's more pressure on me. I have to make this throw. I have to complete this third and eight. Like, I get this out right on him, you know, and that's just – it just adds up. And they don't have success, which I think Trevor will be a really good quarterback when it's said and done because I think he can adjust to his failures and learn from them and get better going forward. And that's any position, but especially quarterback. I mean, you just have to – each year you have to be learning why – you made mistakes and understand what you have to do to become better in the off season, going into the season and preseason, all that stuff. And, and just know you're going to fail, but you're going to get better because of the failures. And that's the good quarterbacks do. And, and, and just to finish, do you, do you think that a quarterback will go in the top 10 this year or are the three the, that, that you expect to go going to be in the same kind of range that you're talking about with Corral 20 to 32? Well, the, the, the funny thing is, honestly, my personal opinion, and I could be completely wrong, I have been before, is I don't think anybody's a top 10 quarterback, not even close. Um, I think what will happen is when you get there, and depending on what happens with, you know, with Watson going forward, with Matt Ryan, and, and, and of course with uh, Baker, you know, the quarterback situation is not done yet. These teams that need one, all it takes is the owner stepping in and all of a sudden you're at pick eight or pick nine. And all of a sudden you're, you're hearing whispers that somebody's trying to trade up and, and, and what are they trading up for? Well, they need a quarterback. All of a sudden they're like, shit, well, we got our highest rated guy. Why don't we just take him now? If, if, Cause we need a quarterback. So the strong, the, the weaker GMs or the weaker, younger head coaches will give in right away because that's the owner saying it. We have to prove to the fan base and to the world that we're taking a quarterback because we need one. And he's going to be our savior. 
you know, so, but what happens then is say one does go in the top 10. Now that forces everybody's hand for number two and number three and number four, whatever quarterback it is, they'll go earlier than they should because now the first one's off the board. Now, now you're in a dead pan because you only have two that you like. Now say you're sitting at 12 or you're, say you're sitting at 20 in say you're Pittsburgh and you know, you need a quarterback or a young quarterback to develop. Do you trade up to 12 and take the second quarterback that you have graded there, you know, in, in panic and that way you get a quarterback and everybody's happy, but then you're not getting the, you're not getting a good football player, you know, whereas you look at the board and you got a defensive end, you got a corner, you got, you got an offensive lineman, you got a running game or whatever. There's much better players going to help you year one automatically. It's going to come in and play and play well for you. But you force the issue because of the position, because it's a quarterback and you got pressure on you to get a quarterback because you understand we need a quarterback. We have to have a quarterback for us to win. You know, everybody has a quarterback that wins the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and, and they panic. And, and, and I feel bad for the quarterbacks. and It's not their fault where they get drafted. You know, they're getting drafted where the team drafts them. But they're expected, the higher they're drafted, the, the more expectations, especially early in their career. And a lot of guys can't do it. I mean, it's just so, such a different animal in the NFL compared to college, you know. But I, I, again, it'd be interesting where the first one goes and, and see who moves around and who panics and who moves up to get a quarterback. And everybody's saying, even the team that takes him, like, well, we had him as our 35th rated player. We took him 15th because we had to have a quarterback. We had to have a quarterback coming out of this draft. And we think in two to three years, he has a chance to be a good quarterback, hopefully a good quarterback. But then all of a sudden you got to play him year one. And it's just like, wow, what do we do? I mean, we got 15 guys behind them that are all playing, say it's a receiver, say it's a running back, say it's a corner, a pass rusher. They're having hell of years. They could have really helped us. But we took this dang quarterback. Now, did we do the wrong thing? You know, and at the time, you know it in your gut. You're trading up. You, you, I never did it. Thank goodness I didn't have to. But deep down inside, you know, this guy ain't worth that pick. You know, son of a gun. Look who's on the board. Look at that guy. He's going to come in day one and be a starter for us and help us win games. We're taking this quarterback. I mean, cross our fingers. He's good when it's all said and done, but he's not ready for a couple of years. You know, and it's just like, well, what do you do? <laughs> you know, it's just, but the good GMs, the, the, the Steelers, the teams like that who are consistent and, 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 and don't take the flash, but take the good football player, the whole package, you know, the toughness, the competitiveness, the athleticism, the leadership. And, and, and some people say, well, that's not a very good pick. And all of a sudden, two, three years down the line, they're going to playoffs every year. The guy's starting and making plays for you. You know, is he great? No, but he's damn good. You know, is he a perennial pro bowler? No, but you know what? We win games because of him, you know, at any position, even kickers. You know, you need those cats. You know, they're out there. Any round, one through seven, they're, they're, they'll be quarterbacks taking mid-rounds this year. They end up, end up being Colt McCoy's you know, that are never a starter and never going to take the promised land, but damn good quarterbacks can get you out of three or four games a year because the starter gets hurt, you know, and, but people lose sight of that. They want the flash. The owners want the, the big name that the fans are going to be like, wow, that's a hell of a draft. We got a quarterback. We need a quarterback. And all of a sudden two years, they're, they're going to want the quarterback cut. They want the head coach fired. They want everybody gone, you know, and start over. And it's just like, uh, I don't get it, but that's, that's the NFL and it's a big business and a lot of people are involved in a lot of money. And some people don't understand how it works, but they think they do. And they stay on the bottom.